Welcome, everyone, to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com, Giants reporter. And in this episode, it's going to be Nugget Central. I'm going to have little nuggets dropped throughout, little golden morsels of information interspersed throughout a bunch of topics. That include, we're going to go into Freddie Kitchens' promotion and what it means to offensive coordinator Jason Garrett. Also, I'm going to talk about a story I wrote this week. Give you a little further detail and explanation. But I said the Giants are rebuilding. And uh, in there is a quote from a very well-placed league source who knows the Giants roster pretty, really, really well. And uh, what they said was basically that this roster is nowhere near capable of competing in its current composition with the top teams in the playoffs. And it's really hard to argue that right now. Uh, I don't know. A lot of people were, were all over me saying that they were, you know, they could make the playoffs. And, and I'll get to that in a second. You're probably not wrong about that. What's the difference between being a playoff contender and being a serious Super Bowl contender? Okay. Uh, and we'll also get into the potential cuts. I have about a handful of guys here. We'll put them into categories of uh, likely, maybe, and not really of, wh- of whether I think they're going to be released at this point. And then we're going to have a, a monster Giants after dark I have set up with I have about 12 questions right now locked and loaded uh maybe even more than 12 I think it might even be so a monster Giants after dark where I answer all your questions on everything from the salary cap free agency draft you name it I pretty much will have it covered in there but in the meantime let's go nuggets 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 and more nuggets so we'll start with Freddie Kitchens okay Freddie Kitchens was promoted to senior offensive assistant, okay? And he was the tight ends coach previously. Derek Dooley, who was a senior offensive assistant, I believe, before, is now going to, you know, handle the tight end room as well. So a lot of people are saying, well, what, you know, what does this mean for Jason Garrett now, right? Is Freddie Kitchens basically nipping on his heels? Now, the way I understand it is that Freddie Kitchens, good chance he's going to be really heavily involved in the design and the composition of the run game. I'm not sure about that. We'll, we'll see how that pans out. But that that's one of the things that was said to me over this past week or so when I, when I found out about it. So, uh, But what I do know is the way it's going to work is Freddie Kitchens is almost going to serve as another layer, another filter, more checks and balances on the offense. Okay, now he has experience as an offensive coordinator. Remember, when Jason Garrett was dealing with COVID one game for one game this year, the offensive coordinator that that game was Freddie Kitchens. So I think he's going to have a you know a bigger role in the overall uh, development uh, design of the offense as well. It's still Jason Garrett's offense; he's in charge. But I do think Freddie Kitchens this kind of pushes him into a bigger scale role, a role where he's almost like the assistant offensive coordinator. Now, like I said, ultimately still Jason Garrett's offense. He's still the offensive coordinator, but it is going to be a really collaborative effort with this offense. And that's really what Joe Judge envisions on both ends, because on one end you have Patrick Graham running the defense, but the Giants also just hired Jeremy Pruitt. He was the former Tennessee head coach. I know Joe Judge thinks very highly of him. They would work together in Alabama. So he's also not just going to fall into like a position coach role. He's also going to be sort of like a secondary assistant defensive coordinator in a way. 
And this is kind of the way Joe Judge wants his staffs to operate, a very collaborative effort. And if that means that these sort of like, I, I don't know, secondary coordinators, for, for lack of a better term, or, or assistant coordinators, for a lack of a better term, are, you know, looked at and say, oh, they're nipping at the other guys. He goes, no, I, I think the idea is that Judge wants all these guys to have significant input. He wants all his guys on his staff. And that's really the Nick Saban and Bill Belichick way, right? That you can go in there and you should have the confidence to really say and give your input and challenge the person next to you. And that's kind of the environment he's trying to build and he wants. So I think that's kind of what he envisions here. Now, think about it. Offensively, they have Jason Garrett, who's the offensive coordinator, who's a head coach in this league. Freddie Kitchens, who's kind of uh, who's a senior offensive assistant who's going to be heavily involved. He was also a head coach and offensive coordinator. You have wide receivers coach Tyke Tolbert, who was just up for the offensive coordinator role in Minnesota. You have QB coach Jerry Shaplinski, who also is, you know, he's basically uh, at a a coordinator type level. uh, And you you saw that, you know, that's kind of, I believe, why, uh, you know, he's here and he left Miami because he didn't see that road to that to that spot. And. So you have all these experienced guys, very well thought of guys, guys who have been, had success in this league, all on the same staff and all brought in to push each other, to be collaborative. Uh, and Rob Sale now, the new offensive line coach. I mean, this is a guy who seemed to be working his way towards being a collegiate head coach. And now, you know, he's the offensive line coach on the Giants. You know, he's going to have some unique ideas, new ideas. So... That's kind of, I think, what Joe Judge was aiming for with some of these staff changes now. In regards to the article I wrote this week about the Giants and their rebuild, and don't twist it, the Giants are in a rebuild. They know it. They're in a rebuild. You might want to think optimistically and be like, oh, you know, they were close to the playoffs. They were a 6-10 and team that got smashed by the good teams they played at the end of the season. Okay, that's uh, And those weren't even like the Kansas Cities of the world. The Tampa Bays of the world. I mean, although they did play Tampa really well earlier in the year. Should have beat them, really. That was a different Tampa team by the time they reached the end of the season, obviously. Uh, but still, like we saw, when, when it came down to it late in the season, Giants got their doors blown off. Baltimore, Cleveland, Arizona, okay? So they went 6-10 and 10 in almost a historically bad division. Let's not twist it. This team's not ready to compete. They know it, roster-wise. So... Somebody very well placed in the league, very highly regarded, passed a comment to me like they're nowhere close to these playoff teams at this point, and this was roster-wise. And that doesn't mean they're not anywhere close to the playoffs. They're just nowhere close to being a roster that could compete with the really, really top teams, like say the top four teams in the league, you know, the top two in each conference. And then I spoke to someone else who's also knows the Giants roster very well and studied them at one point throughout this season. And he kind of reiterated the same thing. Like, their roster is not there yet. They're, they're, they're an inferior roster to the top teams, significantly. So what does that mean? They're still in a rebuild. They're still years away from being able to reach the ultimate goal. Right? The goal isn't, okay, let's make the playoffs. Like, the Miami Dolphins are like, yeah, we did it. We went 10-6, and six, even though they didn't make the playoffs. Like, you know, we became a, a, a competitive team. No. Their goal, their goal is to win the Super Bowl. Should always be the goal. The idea that some people are like, yeah, yeah, you just, if you sneak into the playoffs, you never know. Well, come on. Yeah. You know, you have, sure, you have a chance. 
But do you want to play the 5% chance or you want to play the 30-40% chance? You know, that the Chiefs are, are playing with or that the Patriots were playing with every year when they made the playoffs. Or, uh, you know, all these teams, the, 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 even the Packers, they're not dealing with a, a 5% chance when they make the playoffs. Even in 2016, the Giants made the playoffs. They weren't going anywhere that year in the playoffs. They weren't a Super Bowl contender. They weren't even supposed to beat Green Bay, and they didn't. So that's kind of what I was heading at there, and I truly believe that. And trust me, people around the league, people in the Giants organization, they know it. They're still in the midst of a rebuild, and they're banking heavily on a young quarterback. And that quarterback's not legit, and he's not part of the real deal. Then they're probably even more than two years or so away. Now, in regards to potential cap cuts, here's the guys I have listed. Okay, Nate Solder opted out this past year. Golden Tate seems like a gimme, big salary, veteran, third receiver. Production is on the on the decline. Kevin Zeitler, good player. Salary is big. It's the only reason he's even on the list. I think there's an alternative around that. We'll get to that in a minute. David Mayo, veteran linebacker, really a backup special teamer. And then Evan Ingram or Levine Tuilolo, the Giants could get away from you, those guys, if they really wanted and they're looking to, to create money. And we'll get to the cap in a little bit as well. But in the meantime, let's go through one by one. Put them in category. Likely, maybe, or not really in regards to whether they're going to be, whether I think they're cap cuts. Okay. Nate Soldier, I'm going to put in the maybe category. He did kind of say that he wanted to come back and play there, you know, a little while back. So let's assume that he wants to come back and play. The Giants can save $6 million this year. They make them a normal uh, cap cut, you know, no, no post June 1st, where they kind of defer some of the money. Uh, $10.5 million dead money, $6 million cap savings if they want. They can get that cap savings up to $10 million if they make it a post-June 1st cut, which this year you'll probably see more of because the cap kind of is going to go backwards this year. We don't know exactly where, but we'll get to that in a little bit, I believe. Uh, so we'll kind of not not get into the the, the, the minutiae there. But, yeah, they could save 6 and six or $10 million. Seems likely that that's not a bad route for the Giants. Nate Solder didn't play well two years ago. He hasn't played now this past year. Uh, I'm going to put him in the maybe category, but I'm leaning more towards the likely. Now, that's a conversation that as of last week, I know the Giants haven't had with him, whether he wants to play, how he's doing, where he's at. So that'll come in. That'll come pretty soon, I would uh, I would think, in the next you know week or two. So we'll kind of get a direction on Nate Solder. Golden Tate seems he's in the likely category. I mean, eight and a half million salary coming up, $11 million cap number. There's five million dead if they if they cut them, uh, but they could save six million, or if they make them post June first, eight and a half million this year. So six, substantial amount. They're gonna have to create money. He's an obvious one, really. So likely, I, I'd be really surprised if Golden Tate's back. Kevin Zeitler, twelve million dollars salary. Really, I think it's second biggest cap hit on the Giants this year behind James Bradbury. Uh, so big number. You know, he's an he's a quality player getting up there in age over 30 but if you cut him you get a i'm sorry his cap number is 14 and a half million which is second second highest on the giants not his salary actual cash is 12 million giants could save 9.6 million which is a good chunk if they cut him but i'm going to put him in the not really category because i don't see them getting rid of a quality player 
when there's other alternatives. Restructuring, and this you might, you might see this is my initial uh, guesstimate, that this year you're going to see a lot of money being moved around and pushed back because the salary cap is going to go down this year for the first time in forever. It's estimated in the 180 range. I believe it was 198 last year. So that's a huge decrease. But the projection for most is that it'll probably jump back up next year or the year after. So you could extend Kevin Zeitler's deal, move some money forward, kind of give him a, a, a roster bonus and spread it out. You know, give him an extension and spread spread that roster bonus out over two years, but give the team basically an option to get out of it. And so they're deferring that twelve million dollars that he's owed this year. You could really give him, you know, let's say a ten, make it a nine million, so it's even. Get tack on two years to his deal, make nine million of that a roster bonus, and then so only three million would be left as his uh, base salary. So then you could spread that nine million over three years, so three million this year. 3 million account towards 2022 cap and 3 million towards 2023. And then so you can get his cap number down to 5 million instead of 14 and a half or, or something, something like that. There's, there's ways to do it. So that is kind of where I see he's a, he's more likely a potential restructure the way I'm looking at it. David Mayo, 2.3 million cap savings. If the giants move on from him, probably could find a young linebacker who could fill the role that David Mayo plays as backup linebacker slash, uh, slash special teamer for $2.3 million. in a year where you're trying to create money? I'd say he's in the probably likely category to get cut. Evan Ingram, the, it's listed right now at $6.77 million for his fifth-year option, which is kind of, I believe, with the, the same as I saw right now with uh, Jabril Peppers is 6.7. Like, if the Giants drafted Kyle Pitts, I could see them moving on from Evan Ingram. That would then open up about $7 million from the salary cap, which is a substantial amount. But you would have to kind of find someone in that receiving role. So he's in the not likely, in my opinion. Levine Tuilolo, on the other hand, 2021 salary, $2.95 million, So close to $3 million for a tight end who brings you zilch in the passing game. I, I think he could he's in the maybe category, but more leaning more towards the likely, in my opinion, because unless he wants to restructure because three million dollars, like you could find someone who strictly blocks for less than three million dollars. You should be able to at least. I mean, and the people I talk to don't even think he's a, not even a dynamite, like dominant great blocker. So that's a lot of money for the role that he plays. So I do think that he could end up on the cut list. Now, Sam Beal. I mentioned this on social media. I would be surprised if he's not on the cut list. And this is not cap related, right? He's still pretty cheap on a rookie deal, third round supplemental pick. This is just based more on what I've heard about Sam Beal since he came to the Giants. You know, there's been some questions about how dedicated Sam Beal is to, and this isn't just because he opted out this year. I'm talking about now for, for three years of his dedication to as a football player, of his work ethic, and things things of the sorts. So based on hearing those kind of rumblings from the organization now for like two-plus years, kind of be surprised if he does make it back after not being part of the team this past year. and being He's not even part of this new regime. You know, he's not even been placed in this, uh, in this culture and this atmosphere. So what's his connection really to the new coaching staff? The front office might still be married to him, but I, I don't know 
What, are the, what does the coaching staff know about him? Well, I guess Anthony Blevins, who is uh, a special teams assistant before being the assistant DB coach, he probably knows him pretty well. But that's the other thing. I don't think anyone, no one that I talked to that watched Sam Beal's tape from two years ago and really he didn't play his rookie year. So two years ago at this point now was looking at him like, oh, this is a really good player in the first place. So there's a lot of questions with him. I'd almost be surprised if he comes back. And I know it's free, but if you don't love the way he works, and this isn't because he opt- decided to opt out, this is, this, is a, this is a complaint you heard before then, then are you really even going to bother bringing him back? Or are you just kind of going to move on from that mistake at this point? So that's where I stand on that. So I'm going to put him in the likely category as well. So that covered a lot of stuff right there. I think I dropped a lot, nice, nice amount of little nuggets throughout there. Hope you enjoyed it. But now we're going to get to you guys. And I'm going to answer a, a whole bunch of your questions. On to the next one. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Ah, yes. It's my favorite part of this podcast. It's the part where I answer all your deepest darkest Giants questions in Giants after dark. All right. We got a lot of questions here. We'll start with number one, Bruce CB generic 99 handle. He has his judge really sold on Garrett as the answer at O coordinator or is Garrett back because the front office wants him back. Relatedly do others around the league really believe in Garrett as an OC and the offense was terrible, as was the QB play. And, and Wally Joe, 666, uh, kind of had the same question. So let me address this because the, the, a lot of people think this. The, the Giants are not forcing Jason Garrett on Joe Judge. Joe Judge, uh, coaches in general, are not going to take a job and be have coaches basically forced upon them, especially strong char- strong-minded individuals. Uh, strong personalities like Joe. He's he's hiring his own staff. Now, was Jason Garrett recommended to him? Yes, by the front office. Did Joe Judge ultimately have to sign off on it? Yes. And if Joe Judge wanted to move on from him, he would have moved on from him this offseason. Now, he decided, okay, because there was tension there. You know, according, I spoke to some players that said they saw some tension. Now, of course, when your offense is bad and you're not performing well, there's going to be some tension. It's not going to go smoothly. They were 31st in the league in offense. so. It didn't go that totally smoothly. But Joe Judge made the decision, okay, I'm going to move some pieces around and change some of the responsibilities and try to make it an even more collaborative effort than it was before rather than switching up the scheme altogether for our young quarterback, having a totally new scheme and, and sort of having an overhaul. So, and, and the second part of that, would others around the league, do they really believe in Gatterd as an OC? Hit or miss. I've spoken to some people who actually do think he's a very good offensive mind. Now, I've also spoken to people who thought his offense was very stagnant this year, just like everybody else out there. So, uh, But he does have his supporters around the league. I will say that. 
So, question number two, Eric Campen, Mr. Tree Amigos. He says, we know what Mel said, Mel Kuyper is talking about. If you were GM Dave G, what would you do to bring the Giants back to relative playoff caliber team? Draft, cuts, free agent, go. Okay, so we'll just do real quick. On the cut side, Golden Tate, obvious I mentioned that. I'd probably uh, look to renegotiate Nate Solder. I'd like to bring him back, but at less money. Maybe he'd be open to that. I mean, he did just sit out a year. You don't really know what you're getting from him. I don't think he would get, if the Giants cut him, he's getting to the market and crushing it. So maybe if you can get him for like a decent price, his 2021 salary is $10 million. So maybe you get him for like five or six. I, I think I would look to do that. Golden Tate, easy, you know, move on from that. Kevin Zeitler, uh, you, I would lower his number, renegotiate, restructure, and you know, like I, like I said before. But I would also do the same with, like, I want to sign Jabril Peppers. Like if I sign him long term, and even if they're sold on Evan Ingram, I'm not sure if I would be sold on. I'm not sure anyone could be sold on Evan Ingram right now with the way he played. But if you sign a guy like uh, Jabril Peppers long term, you could keep his year one number low, right? And even like move some money around with guys like uh, James Bradbury and Blake Martinez. The Giants are going to be fine on money, so they'll have money. Now, I think I want to sign a free agent edge rusher. That would be my priority. So let's say Hassan Reddick is my free agent edge rusher. I add that right there. I draft a wide receiver potentially at number 11 or definitely in the second round, improve there, get like a second tier mid-range wide receiver to add to the group, you know, a Corey Davis type or, or something of that sort. And then try and go from there. And, and then and draft a, a cornerback as well somewhere along the line. So uh, that, you know, Jalen Waddle. Let's say they get Jalen Waddle, uh, add Corey Davis. Now you have four. You want depth at receiver. That's been something I think you, you noticed. You need why you need weapons. Or, you know, Kyle Pitts. Uh, you add Kyle Pitts. And then you you add a Corey Davis to the mix. So then you basically adding two weapons. And then if you get Pitts, then you could save money by trading Ingram and adding another pick and then getting a cornerback. So I think that's kind of the way I would go. Question number three, Chris Tupa says, this would have been combine time. What are some Giants rumors you heard at past combines that ended up being true? What ended up being false? Uh, well, I'm, I'm just was trying to think of, you know, last year alone, uh, you kind of knew the Giants were going to be serious in the cornerback market and the middle linebacker market that they were going at the top of those markets. I believe I wrote a story exactly that coming out of the combine. Uh, so you, you knew they'd be in on Byron Jones that they couldn't quite get up to the number. And then uh, they went after James Bradbury. So maybe Bradbury flew under the radar a little to me, but uh, Blake Martinez, I knew they were in on Blake Martinez. Uh, Corey Littleton was another guy at the top of the market that you thought they might go after because they were in the top of the market, guys. But you know what? I knew they hadn't actually reached out to him at all throughout the process. So you knew they weren't going in that direction. Next on the list was Blake Martinez, and he made a ton of sense because he had that connection to uh, Patrick Graham. So coming out of the combine last year, I had a good sense that Blake Martinez was going to be their guy at middle linebacker. Should the Giants run a play where everybody blitzes? This is from Here Comes Kumar. I feel like it would smash. Yeah, Kumar. I mean, I'm all into, uh, you know, progressiveness, ingenuity. I mean, that's really taking it to next level. Everybody blitz. The 11-man blitz. You know, they say, you know, pressure 
makes your back end look good. Now, I don't know about the back end of zero, but yeah, I play with Smash. I mean, now nah, you joke, and but but you know what? I am into trying different things. Now that is probably to the extreme, but if you don't, and I, and I try this all the time. I mean, I just did a TikTok with my daughter, and it absolutely and it bombed. It was it did poorly, and she told me it was bad, and I thought it was pretty funny. But guess what? You know what? You got to try these things. It's a try. I'm a big into trial and error. Now, 11, 11 pass rushers, probably too many. But there there are some unique things that they could do for sure. At Gunny, I'm on, I think I believe I'm on question number four or five right now. At Let's call it number five. At Gunny Tommy Left says, could the Giants really draft Kyle Pitts if he's the best player available? Absolutely. And if so, do they trade Ingram? I believe they would. At least they do get Kyle Pitts, they would trade Ingram because you could get something reasonable in return, right? So you could tr- you could draft Kyle Pitts. You do that in the first round. And then that day or the next day, you trade Evan Ingram and you get a mid-round draft pick. And you try to make something of that mid-round draft pick. Now, all of a sudden, you have more money. So you could get, you have Kyle Pitts. That draft slot is slotted, so they're already counting that money. You can then, you trade Evan Ingram. You draft, let's say, a cornerback in the, third, fourth round with the pick you get. And then you have excess money from getting rid of Ingram where you then go sign another player at a different position and supplement your roster and your team. So not a terrible idea. I mean, if if your evaluation on Pitts, and we'll, we'll see as we go along here. I'll talk to some people. I did hear from somebody that, you know, as an evaluator out there, that they they loved, loved, loved Pitts. So we'll see. Uh, that evaluator, by the way, was not with the Giants. Uh, we got Mike Sieber. Two questions, if I may. First, what's your current calculations on Giants cap room after obvious cuts? Second, give us your prediction of a big non-Giants player they will land this offseason. I asked because Tomlinson and Williams could be a chunk of that space. Yeah. So first of all, the Giants, depending on where the cap lands or who you listen to, are going to be either a couple million, you know, about a million and a half over, a million and a half under. Who knows exactly what it is? They're going to make cuts. They're going to end up, right. like I said, they, they can... Uh, let's see. You get ten million from Solder, six million from Tate, uh, another two point three from Mayo and Tulilolo is two point nine five. Let's say they cut one of those two, Mayo and Tulilolo. So let's say two and a half million there, ten from Solder. That's twelve and a half. So you get oh, let's say eighteen and a half. Like let's say they add twenty million. They're sitting there with twenty million to play with, moving a bunch of money around. They could you know make another fifteen million. Let's say. By moving fifteen to twenty million, by moving stuff around, I think the Giants are healthy cap wise. I don't and and I don't want to hear about this that they you know the Giants don't have money like uh, the Giants are strapped with the cap. No, they're not. Tell me who they have signed long term. And granted, they're gonna have to sign Leonard Williams. But again, Leonard Williams, they sign him to a big deal. They're gonna structure it so that year one hit is really low because that's what makes sense this year. Same with that's why I think they could do Williams and Tomlinson. I really do think it's possible. You structure deals this year, and I think you're gonna see this around the league with a really low year one cap hit and have it jump up in year two or year three and spread the bonus around. I mean, these are things that teams are going to do because the cap went down this year. They're going to have to find ways to make money. But the Giants, who do they have signed long-term? Literally almost nobody. They don't have anyone that's, what, James Bradbury is the only one on the roster that's maybe like top three at his position. Like they don't have a $20 million guy. They don't have a $40 million quarterback. Where's all their future money? No, they have a ton of future money. Don't, I don't want to hear about all this cap strap problems for the giants. That's it. Latoke asks, 
What's the capital of South Dakota? Anything and everything goes. Yeah, I said that. Uh, now, I saw this question this morning, and I'm taping this in the evening right now. And I swore to myself I wasn't going to look it up. And I didn't. And so my answer would have been Bismarck. Okay? Because I don't really, I can't, Cheyenne is Wyoming. Bismarck, I'm pretty sure, is North Dakota. But because I don't really have a guess on South Dakota, I'm going with Bismarck. Uh, I'll look. I'll look it up now as we speak, uh, and I'm I'm pretty sure that Bismarck is North Dakota, uh, and Cheyenne is Wyoming. South Dakota capital, Pierre. Pierre. Yeah, darn it. You know, see the re- one of the reasons I should know this was my daughter was singing like they they learn a song, and the song kind of like goes over all the capitals, and she probably did about a year ago. So I was kind of refreshing like a year ago. So. Uh, yeah, but that one just didn't didn't click with me. So, but hey, way to test my overall knowledge. You see that I'm not the smartest person in the world, which, by the way, uh, probably doesn't surprise you. Uh, at Giants Vidal ten twenty seven sent twenty twenty seven asks, who do you think the Giants will target to fix their pass rush on the outside? And my best guess at this point, it's still a little early, a month away from free agency. Get back to me in two weeks. I'll have a more educated guess, but. My best guesstimate at this point is, and I wrote about this, they asked me to, to put out a bold prediction uh, for the Giants offseason, and I said Hassan Reddick. You see, a guy who could play the 3-4, play on the outside, has the speed, uh, crushed the Giants this year, really blew up this year, younger player, ascending player. I think that's the kind of guy you could see the Giants go at. That's my opinion. So, and I Look, I'd love to say Bud Dupree, but... Man, he's going to cost money, and that knee is a risk. Is it, are the Giants in position to take that risk, or is that like a risk for like a Tennessee, where Tennessee is like on the verge of being competitor, where if they get that guy and he's back to what he was before, they crush it. I think that's – I don't think the Giants are in that position where that's the move for them, even though I wish it was because that dude is the best player when healthy, I think basically in free agency this year. Who uh, at WT Helmet says, who's being groomed at DC behind Patrick Graham? He's too bright and talented to not get picked off in the near future. What's the backup plan there? You know, I think that's part of why Jeremy Pruitt, who is the head coach of Tennessee, is being brought on here. He could fit that role. He's somebody very highly regarded by Joe Judge, worked with him in the past, really checks off a lot of those boxes. He's worked on the back end of the secondary. He probably will get some experience working uh, in the front seven this year. So a lot of things to like about Jeremy Pruitt there. Uh, and I think he might be the guy because Brett Bielma was probably that guy. Like he could have moved into the defensive coordinator role if Pat Graham left, but he's now gone. He's back as a head coach. And now it's Jeremy Pruitt's kind of in that role. MD Ludwig, next question. I totally lost count of what no question we're on. Let's say 10. They totally made it up. How do we like Corey Davis instead of going after a bigger name wide receiver? Yeah, I mentioned Corey Davis before. <sighs> the question is, here's the, my only concern with getting a guy like Corey Davis. He's clearly like a number two kind of guy, right? He was in that number one role, really struggled, thrived when he was in the number two role this past year. Is that really what the Giants want? Because they kind of have two number twos already in Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton. Some may even say they're not twos. I like to think they're both quality receivers. They could both fit in as twos if they had a number one there. But now if you bring in Corey Davis, you're still in the problem. You really don't have a number one. I'm a little hesitant to say that that's a good, a great move for them. But if their plan is to then go get a big guy in, a, in the draft, 
either draft a receiver or draft Kyle Pitts at 11, and they think he's that dominant type receiver, then I can understand it. But I don't know. I do still have reservations kind of waffling back and forth. Sorry, I didn't fully answer that. At the trifecta 24S, in what world is it in Barkley's best interest to play one snap this year without an extension, even if it's a team-friendly deal? $8 million for year five is not the long-term security backs of Barkley's ilk are accustomed to. True. Good point. Problem is, Saquon Barkley is not exactly in a position of power here because he's coming back from an injury. He kind of has to prove that he could play and come back and still play at a really high level and stay healthy at least a little bit before anybody's going to pay him, whether it's the Giants or somebody else. You have to be realistic. Now, I also had someone else, and I don't know your name, a couple people asked me about, hey, should the Giants just trade Saquon? I, I would love for them to trade Saquon, get a big haul back. Yeah, but the thing, again, same thing. Who's going to trade a big haul for an injured Saquon Barkley coming off a knee injury? You got to see him come back. He doesn't have value. He does have value. Shouldn't say I didn't mean, didn't mean to come out that way. He doesn't have the value that you think you would think right now that would bring a big haul back, especially as a running back, man. Uh, an injured running back coming off a serious knee injury, like you're not in a position of power there. You're going to get bogus offers. You're not going to get real offers. So uh, the, I don't think that's really feasible right now. At Phil Marin three says there's been a lot of speculation that Dalvin Dalvin Thompson gets a big payday. With the issues that nearly all teams will face this year with a reduced cap, will the value he provides that doesn't show up in box scores really produce a free agent offer that prices the Giants out of the market? Yeah, good point. Honestly, I don't see anybody giving Dalvin Tomlinson $12 million a year. I kind of agree with that. And so if Dalvin Tomlinson is in the $8 million range, $9, $10 million range, it's something the Giants can feasibly do, in my opinion. Especially when you're talking, like I said before, Give a nice signing bonus, low year one uh, base salary. So the cap number is very reasonable in year one. Giants, obviously, most teams always do it. You get out, of, you can get out of the deal after two years. It makes a ton of sense for them. So I kind of agree with you. I don't know if they're going to get priced out of a doubt. I don't think teams out there, like teams like Dalvin Tomlinson, think he's a good player. But he's not this dominant pass rusher. You really going to go break the bank for Dalvin Tomlinson in a year where oh, every team is basically scrounging for money? Hmm. Not so sure. Uh, at Word Reeves says, could we flip Peppers, and he's talking about Jabril here, for, uh, a, say, second rounder and free up five to six million and reallocate that money to us, to wide receiver? First of all, who says Jabril Peppers bringing back a second rounder? Because like you said, he's he's basically on the last year of his deal. He's getting, he's, he's in that 50-year option. He's getting the six, 6.7, I believe, listed right now. See where it finally comes in when the cap is actually set. Uh, but yeah, so when you trade a player who's in the last year of his deal, who then the other team would have to sign and pay and give substantial money for, you're not going to get a huge return for a quality safety, good, a good, not great player. So like I said, he would probably bring the same kind of compensation back as, say, uh, you know, Evan Ingram. I mean, he's in that same role, same spot, money-wise, like, Decent, good, quality player. Just He's not a great player. And I don't think that's the move for the Giants. They're building a good back end of the defense. Uh, he, I don't think he's going to absolutely break the bank either. The Giants are in a good position with him. I think they could get a good quality long-term deal with Jabril Peppers and move on and move forward there. And That secondary could be a strength of this defense because pass rush isn't. I mean, that's kind of what they are right now. Uh, and reinvesting that in a wide receiver 
Yeah, I would love, you know, they, they can make money for a wide receiver if they want to. Okay. Uh, see at CB Rivera, let's call this question 12 or 13. How do the Giants view Pert? That's Matt Parrott. Parrott, I should say. Are they willing to put him in position to win the starting job or do they get a, a cap casualty vet? Yeah, I think the Giants are going to get, I mean, they're, they're going to get a, a veteran. You can't go into the season saying, oh, our starters are Andrew Thomas, who, by the way, struggled this past year, let up most second most sacks, however you want to view it. And Matt Parrott, who barely played, you know, played a handful here each game and say, those are our two starters. You have to have a vet and say, hey, guys, let's go. You got to win the job, whether it's Nate Solder or someone else. But I know the Giants think very highly of him. They love the way Matt Parrott moves. Uh, they think he could be a really good player. They they also understand that the switch line coaches ask the offensive linemen, especially these young ones, to basically learn two different techniques throughout the season. And that's not exactly easy for any offensive lineman. Uh, question number 14, 15, whatever we're calling it, at Big Blue underscore fan 1321, who, by the way, I noticed you, you, you send nasty comments to me once in a while, but I'll still answer your question. Even though the Giants didn't fire Garrett, do you think they are done with staff changes? I feel like a pass game coordinator could help this offense. Yeah, by the way, this is the last question. I, I do think they're done making moves with the uh, staff for the most part. I, I don't think you're going to see any big moves now. Freddie Kitchens is the guy who's moving up into a bigger role. Uh, maybe, although I'm not sure he's the pass game coordinator. I think he might end up being more sort of like a pseudo run game coordinator. We'll see how it kind of pans out. I don't think it's been actually laid out in full yet. We'll see. Uh, whereas maybe then Jason Garrett with help from Tyke Tolbert and Jerry Shaplinsky, those, those two guys can, can play a bigger role in the pass game, uh, scheme, uh, in, in developing and creating a game plan on the passing side. So, I think that is kind of where the this is headed right now uh, with the offense, and you're not going to see anybody new or big, which is going to make you jump in, up and down. It's Jason Garrett and these guys. There's a lot of guys that I named that are very well, highly regarded in that group. And so there should be enough coaching brain power there to make it work. So, All right, that's the end of this segment of Giants After Dark. Hope I answered most of your questions there. Uh, keep sending them my way. I'll do my best to do a Giants After Dark on uh, Twitter or Instagram sometime soon. In the meantime, on to the next one. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. 
All right, let's wrap up this episode of Breaking Big Blue. I mean, that was a monster. Giants after dark there. What was that? 15, 20 questions, maybe 35, 40, it felt like. I mean, that, that was that's as big as it gets on this uh, podcast of Giants after dark right there. Uh, so I'm going to give you a quick Jordan on a beat where I tell you what it's like to be a beat reporter for the Giants, cover the NFL in general, or, you know, work for ESPN. And, I mean, it's snowing again in New Jersey. I mean, I live in Monmouth County. So, again, it's 7 to 10 inches uh, falling on the ground. It's freezing. Enough of this already, right? I mean, like, here's the reality. Covering the NFL and the Giants, we're sitting here in February. There's no combine. So usually you go to the combine, no travel there this year. The free agency is like mid-March-ish virtual event. You're talking about the draft going to be, again, virtual event. Any press conferences with Dave Gettleman, Joe Judge, that's going to be on Zoom. You have the spring for the NFL. Probably going to be mostly virtual. And even if they do have stuff at the facility, they're not going to be having us in and, and, and coming very often, if at all. So the reality is it's possible, once again, that we don't have to go into the facility right now until, what, end of July, early August, when they start training camp? Like, that's entirely possible right now. So as we sit here in the snow, I work remotely. My wife works remotely. My daughter's still in uh, virtual school half the time. Like, what are we doing in New Jersey? Seven to ten. It's time to. At some point, I got to get to Florida. You always feel better when it's warmer. You know the the weather. Uh, you get to go outside. You, you get to play some golf, tennis, whatever sport it is you enjoy. You know, don't you just seem happier when you're in warmer weather and you're able to go outside and breathe that fresh air? Look, I like. I love the snow. I'm gonna go outside later today. You know, sled play in the snow, throw snowballs, whatever with my daughter. But that's great. That's like a temporary one or two day thing. Then it just sucks. It's cold. It's freezing. I don't like this cold weather. And then you got snow everywhere. It's inconvenient. It gets icy. So like, it's time to get out of here. I got another family event in March and eventually got to get out of here. My daughter's spring breaks, mid, late March, getting a place in Florida, at least a couple weeks. And then I could just work there, report on free agency from Florida or wherever it is I decide, we decide to go. Right, you got, got enough of this already. Been stuck home, and last time I traveled was a year ago to the combine. I haven't been on a plane. I haven't really been out of the state. I guess I went to you know family stuff, but you know in the tri-state area. But that's about it. Been a long time. So that's what it's like to cover the NFL right now. Uh, I'm, I'm I need to get out of this house. It's time to get out. Obviously, I know first world problems. I'm sitting here whining and complaining like a little baby. And you're like, all right, enough with your whining and complaining. Got a good life. No one wants to hear it. And I get it. You're right. 100%. But you know, in a way, you can relate to me on this one. You've had enough of being at home. COVID, coronavirus. I think we've all had enough. Time to move on. Time for me to get out of here. And you too. Why don't we all just go to Florida, Arizona, you know, San Diego, an island here, there. I don't know. Traveling out of the country is still a little, little t- tough for me to, to want to say I would do. So. I don't know know if I'd go there. But that's the end of this episode of Breaking Big Blue. As always, feedback. Shoot it to me. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, email, TikTok. I'm trying new things. I'm even going to – I even talked about – I did an interview with uh, Talking Giants, uh, Bobby Skinner and and Justin over there. And, uh, you know, I told them I'm into trying new things. And I mentioned Clubhouse. I was going to look into Clubhouse. I know nothing about it. So if you know something about Clubhouse, let me know. Is it a good idea? Do I need to do it? Is it worthwhile? 
I'm going to look into it regardless, but I'd like to hear everyone else's feedback. And always, we'll do we'll do another uh, Giants After Dark. We'll do it next time. It's going to be on Twitter or Periscope, wherever it's called there, if it's still called that, or an Instagram Live or whatever. So we're going to do that. We'll do that kind of stuff moving forward. And uh, remember, like, subscribe, tell your friends about this podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan. You're listening to Breaking Big Blue. See you next time.